All right, Painter. Uh, two weeks ago, after Auburn had a not so great performance against a team from the state of Georgia, <laughs> you, uh, you were very were reasonable and level-headed, is what you're about to say. Yeah, you weren't. Well, okay. Well, even if even if that's the case, you weren't providing a lot to the podcast. I had to, <laughs> I had to, I had to drag you on that one. We're talking before we started recording. Seems like you're at least a little bit. I wouldn't say in higher spirits. I think you're just a little bit more vocal right now, just because I think you might have seen the result from from Saturday coming. Correct. The, I think for the people who talked to me throughout the week, my refrain over the last day or two was pretty much the same. Normally, mm-hmm. by Thursday of a game week, I have done the mental gymnastics necessary to convince myself that an Auburn win is coming down the pike. There was no hope for me this week. Now, I did do the thing where I got very upset at certain points in the game. Right. But there was never really a point during the week where I felt good about this matchup. You know, it's sort of like if Auburn can play it close, which they did in the first half anyway, that was sort of what I wanted. I always felt like Auburn simply did not have the dogs in this matchup. What I'm getting at here is, seems like you're going to be a little bit, little bit more uh, uh, active in this podcast. Yes, I certainly hope so. The Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the recap edition. Justin Ferguson right here and Auburn Painter coming to us from Parts Unknown. Painter Sharpless, that is. Hello, Painter. Hello. Got a bug bite on my ankle. Ow. It's bleeding. So, they, so there's so there's your uh there's your next tent, the place where Painter is has bugs. Bugs that will bite you. Maybe that maybe that'll maybe that'll narrow down your your list on your on your map. Is that about uh, as helpful of a hint as Auburn fans claiming to the world that Auburn should simply recruit better? It's like, well, there are bugs everywhere, Painter. It's like, well, everybody would like to have better players. Everybody yeah. would like to have nothing but five stars. Although, although I will point out something about that game that stood out to me. It's not just the five stars that we're getting it done for the Georgia Bulldogs. That's why I think catching up with Georgia goes beyond uh, just recruiting, even though that is a monster part of the equation. Uh, Auburn 34, or I'm sorry, Auburn loses 34-10 to 10 to the George Bulldogs. We're here to talk about it from all the different angles. This is what we do on our on our weekend podcast. Thank you for joining us, if it's your first time joining us. Uh, it would be interesting if this was your first podcast, but every podcast is somebody's first podca- podcast. As Some people like the pain. I think the first thing that jumped out of me from this Auburn Georgia game is that like the start was exactly what you wanted. Big game atmosphere for the first time in a couple of years. That was fun. A lot of people coming back to campus for a big weekend, a big recruiting weekend. There were so many recruits at this game. A big basketball recruiting weekend as well. Cam Newton was there. I mean, the unveiling of the statues on Friday, which I thought was, um, they looked really good. I, I got to get up right on them last night after uh, the game and kind of look at them a little bit more closely. How was um, the back of Pat Dye's snapback? It looked pretty good. I don't think it was like super, super detailed, but the details on those things were, were pretty were pretty clean, especially the Shook Jordan one. Everybody's got to have the the windbreaker. Uh, with, you made a comment about the windbreaker. You know, if somebody sold windbreakers that had Auburn Athletics staff on it in that font... I think they'd make a lot of money, so we might we might just like steal that idea for our own at some point. Also, big fan of them not making the statues wrinkly, like mm-hmm. the other ones are. I don't know why that was the move with the initial three statues. Somebody had a picture yesterday of Cam standing next to his statue, which I mean that is like one of the ultimate flexes a human being can have. I would imagine. Um, yeah, what other things can you do that are cooler besides, I guess, just rule the, the country? Pay for something that has your face on it. I don't know. Like, well, that's... and some people like what Jerry Richardson, the former Panthers owner, like put his own statue out, and it's like, well, you just paid for that because you have a billion dollars. Right. Whereas it's like Cam was given a statue by the university because people love him so much. The Panthers also have a giant 
panther statue that has, uh, for some reason, large testicles on it. I don't know why, but that's that's kind of yeah, it's art. <laughs> it's representative of the of the final form. But yeah, everything kind of it was set for a pretty good day. And then and then Auburn gets the ball to start the game. A wonderful scripted drive, I thought. They were moving the ball on Georgia. Somebody pointed out Auburn had more first downs against in that first drive against Georgia than Georgia, than Vanderbilt had against Georgia the entire game uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, Poor Vanderbilt. They went for it on fourth and short twice and got it. They were running the ball. They were throwing the ball. Things were going well. And then first down pass to John Samuel Shanker, a little high, hits him in the hands, incomplete. Some foreshadowing there. Bo on second down, scrambles out, loses the ball, picks it back up, throws it away, or maybe not. It was able to fumble. Uh, they reviewed it and said, no, that was a pass, and it's actually intentional grounding, so it's the same as just taking the sack, which may that be a lesson moving forward. Third down, short pass, doesn't get enough. Auburn ends with three. So a missed opportunity, but then Auburn immediately turns around and forces a three and out from Georgia get the ball back, and then on third and short again, pass to Sean Shivers, who had done an excellent job in this category a week uh, a week ago against LSU. Ball hits him in the hands, lands right to N'Kobe Dean, Georgia ball. And then from that point on, I thought it was all Georgia. Uh, Auburn had their moments. They kind of clawed back a couple of times, got some energy back. But from that point on, it was like something really shifted. Georgia ties it up with field goal. Um, they score on a later drive. They score again. Yeah, shouts out to the defense. Even on that short field, after mm-hmm. the turnover, they held them to three. thought the defense, especially the run defense, did, an, did a really good job in the first half. Uh, Georgia, I mean, look, Auburn's pass defense issues were not just because they were playing zone or soft man, guys. There were some one-on-one opportunities on the outside where they just won. They just won. I mean, the the big one, it was in the third quarter, the the deep ball from Bennett to Lad McConkey, which is a beautiful name. Stetson Bennett to Lad McConkey. I mean, come on. Exactly. That's just Georgia. So, so Georgia. That one was cover zero, one-on-one coverage on the outside, and just got beat. You know, got uh, biting on moves. I mean, there, there's just a lot of, lot of stuff that happened in that game where um, I think it was the pass defense from Auburn – you couldn't just sit there and just say, okay, well, it's that soft zone that's getting them. It's like, mm. there was some one-on-one matchups where, where Georgia just won. So I think it's the, the pass defense for Auburn, the secondary, is still very much a work in progress, um, as we probably expected it to be this year. I didn't. I was pumping up the defensive backs all off season. I, I guess I meant from like a – yeah, talent-wise, I got I think – but they were switching the way they were playing. This is a different style, and I think that's taken a little bit longer. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, Painter. It's taken a it's taken a little bit longer for them to, you know, play at a really really high level. Now, last week against LSU, after that first drive, they did a really good job. Max Johnson only had fifty percent completions after it. Keishawn Butte didn't really was a factor. So it's like it is that kind of hot cold up and down thing we've seen from this Auburn defense this year, and that's frustrating i know for auburn fans but i think it's also kind of a glimpse where it's like okay well maybe when you're not playing georgia you know think you could see an lsu could just be really bad um they got blistered at kentucky last night and the writing looks like it's on the wall for uh for ed ogeron but it's like it's this hot and cold thing on defense i mean auburn's run defense excellent in the first half Georgia couldn't really get anything going with that stable of running backs. You saw Auburn get a little bit of pressure on Stetson Bennett. Eculiota, by the way, continues to play really, really well. He gets the only sack of the game for Auburn. But in the second half, according to Chandler Wooten, they start changing some things up on on the way they were running the ball. And I think they just kind of got worn down. Auburn's offense had some quick drives. And Georgia was able to run the ball really, really, really well after halftime execution issues on both sides and consistency and it just kind of just got away the deep ball to McConkey for the touchdown was one of those where it was like ah that, that that'll about do it here and so it, it it turned out to feel like more of what we've seen from Auburn Georgia the last few years now I know that this is points wise one of the more lopsided games 
uh, in this series in recent years. I mean, two years ago, Backinger and Harold Auburn had a chance to come back and win that game. But you go back to last season, Auburn goes to Georgia. Yeah, they had 216 yards of offense and six points against Georgia. Yesterday, 318. They averaged about a yard more per play and actually scored a touchdown. So you can see some progress. You saw a little bit of growth against the Georgia defense that I think is even better this year. But it's still, 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 still not enough. You know, against a really elite team like Georgia, we kind of laid out the blueprint for this game, right? Get off to a really good start. Keep that crowd. Keep that defense in it. And then any opportunity you get, especially on offense, you got to take it and hold on to it with both hands, literally, because you're not going to get very many opportunities against this kind of defense. I mean, this Georgia defense is ferocious, and it might be one of the best defenses we've seen in a long time. In an and era in Auburn which the offenses yeah. are so good and the rules mm-hmm. benefit the offenses, it is amazing what they're doing. I mean, we'll get to we'll get to it later, but like, look at some of the other things that are happening in college football right now. I mean, they shut out Arkansas last week, and I know it's Ole Miss, but Arkansas Arkansas scored fifty yesterday against against Ole Miss. Bama lost to Texas A and M, an A and M team that scored a good bit, moved the ball downfield with the, with a guy who's not even their starting quarterback. And, and I got to own up on that one. All off season, I was talking about how Jimbo Fisher threw gasoline on that fire. I thought that they were going to boat race them 50 to 10. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I checked that score in the second quarter, I was like, okay, well, Alabama's going to catch up and eventually end up covering. And, you know, I don't know what happened in that Texas A&M locker room this week, but they figured something out. Uh, Baffling. It's college football. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in detail here shortly, but. The first couple of drives were really well for Auburn, and it was like, okay, this is how you do it. And then, really, that interception kind of flipped it, I thought, because then Georgia settled in on offense. Georgia settled in on defense. I thought Auburn got too reactionary with their play calling on offense. They had a good scripted balance drive to begin with, and then it kind of seemed like running game wasn't working. They're a little too pass heavy. They get into the red zone later. Well, they get into the red zone the first time, and it's all pass plays. Later in the second quarter, where they have a chance to score a touchdown, go only down by a touchdown, pass plays again, four pass plays this time, uh, ends with a turnover on downs. We've said it all week, like you're not going to be able to run the ball effectively against this Georgia offensive or defensive front. The time Auburn did score a touchdown, Tank Bigsby did it all himself. It's just one of those things that you said it before we started recording, Painter. Like in Brian Harson and Mike Bobo, you have two guys that really, really want balance. And like even still, like I think they they looked at this defense and they were like, uh, well, considering how Auburn has not been able to run the ball effectively, uh, really the last few weeks, that changed a lot about them. I understand why fans want to look back at play calling mm-hmm. the, right after. It's like one of the most we used to do the radio show, and on Mondays, a very popular thing to do after losses was yep. for people to talk about play calling. Mm-hmm. And I think most of the time, that's a silly exercise. I understand why Auburn fans want to see Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter get the ball more, because that has been the most consistent part of your offense. On the other hand... Against teams not named Georgia, though. Yeah, running against that front seven seems impossible. One of the things... Things Ben Wolk told us was if there was, if there is a little bit of a weakness on the defense, it was with Georgia's pass defense. The play calling was not my biggest issue with this game. The execution no, no. was. Yeah, you know, Bo Nix is going to get criticism after this game, and he didn't play a perfect game by any means, but Auburn had a lot of drops, and that's the biggest red flag right now is that your drops, that's, that's you. Can the passes be better? Is the defense affecting some of these? Yeah, sure, absolutely. And, and as Brian Hartson said after the game, you're going to have some drops. Like nobody, nobody's like perfect. You, you know, those those star NFL receivers that you hear about all the time. Because some of those guys have drops, unless their names like Larry Fitzgerald. But probably but, somewhere around eight to ten seems aggressive. I don't know what the final count ended I, up being. I saw different numbers. You know, I yeah. know on the radio broadcast it was mentioned that it was in the double digits, but I guess I you'll do, be able I, to count that in the film room yeah and the thing there is is that so stat broadcast is 
done this weird thing this year where it's like there's this column on the receiving chart that says dr and you would think oh that means drops but then it's like every ball that's not caught is listed as that and it's like well that's not true like we know for a fact that's not true i'm going this is based on pro football focus in this game they have auburn down for seven drops in this game and again the definition of a drop is subjective it's not always necessarily if it hits him in the hands it doesn't always mean it's a drop it depends on who's grading it right um, there are some that are just clear straight up. Okay. That was like a literal, like act of dropping it. So this one says seven for pro football focus. And that might be a little low for some people. I'll go back and kind of look, but it's still too much. I think seven is a good bit when you have several guys on the team have drops in key situations. And you know, a big point was made after the game. Like Auburn got rid of a wide receiver coach a couple weeks ago. They still have these drop issues, and it's like I think some of the issues that they were looking to correct with the wide receiver coaching change, some of the mental stuff, some of the substitution issues, and 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 running, you know, running the right plays and stuff like that. And I think some of that has been decreased the last couple of weeks. You're not seeing quite the same kind of errors in that, but like still, this wide receiver, we knew this wide receiver group was going to be. It, it was a work be a in progress group. is a nice way of putting it. Yes. Really, unless your name is Kobe Hudson, you've had a pretty big issue at times this season with drops. That is something that it's just like, you can keep working on it. The fundamentals, you know, Harson went into all all of that after the game. It just comes a point in time, you just got to get it done. Like, you just have to, you just got to catch the ball. If you get two hands on it, you got to bring it in. You got to make some tough plays. And as Brian Hudson said after the game, there were some tough. I mean, uh, Hudson's one of them. Like, made, there were some tough catches that were made in the game. So it's not like this group is incapable of it, or like they have no talent, they have no catching ability. I think if the receivers are being honest with themselves, they would say not a good performance, especially on the ones when they're open, especially on the ones where they're like, you know, if I bring this in, this is going to be a big play of some kind. Whether it's a touchdown, whether it's a fourth down or conversion, whether it's a third down conversion, whether it's Things like that really, really start stacking up on you, and it's affecting. It's it's really affecting this offense, and I think it's affecting Bo Nix and the fact that you know through the first six games of the season he hasn't been perfect, but he I, I think the drops kind of make him look like a different quarterback than he actually is. I think he has shown progress. I think he has played better. I know there's he's got his critics, and he'll always have his critics, but I think we've seen progress. So I mean, just. That progress cannot be consistently shown, I don't think, quite as much because his wide receivers are having a hard – and it's not just receivers, too. Running backs and tight ends drop the ball. I had limited hopes for this offensive line this season, you know, and they were playing Georgia, so it was like I always expected them to have a rough day. The The drops are something that, like, you can mostly control. Yes, yes, 100%. Regardless of the opponent. Now, sure, there are going to be some exceptions to that when you have – particularly great corners or defensive backs draped all over you. Ugh, I mean, I don't know what to say, but that's just an insane amount of drops for a bunch of guys who are good athletes, whatever you want to say to sort of soften the blow. Not good. PFF's got him down for seven. I think everybody's definition of a drop will vary on this. I've seen people say, like, they tried to make it sound like every incompletion was a drop. Like, there were some numbers that were thrown out on Twitter yesterday that I was like, mm, let's... Let's not, it will be let's funny to see board. the two camps. Like there will be like some where it's like there were 15 drops in this game, and then there will be a few sites and a few analysts who are like, there were only two drops. Everything was Bo Nix's fault. We hate him. He's the 60th best quarterback in the country. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got, I think Harson said it best after the game. Whatever the number is, it's too many. Like we don't have to sit there and hit tally marks. But if we just go off of hey, here's what we remember from the game itself, way too many. And that is going to continue to limit what Auburn can do because that quicker passing game and some of those shots in those situations, like that's been an effective way to move the ball. Harson said it after the game. He's like, he's like, I know we can move the ball between the twenties. He's got to finish drives, and drops were a part of finishing drives in this game. You got to start scoring touchdowns and not kicking as many field goals. Even then, you have a really good field goal kicker. That is something I know that they're going to be working on and focusing on because now against Penn State and against Georgia, you've had opportunities in the red zone go by the wayside because 
whatever it was in the passing game, whether it was drops, whether it was protection, whatever, just did not work. It just did not work for you. Then there was also this. I've often said Bo Nix might be the ultimate Auburn quarterback because he is when he especially when he's scrambling around, he is pure unbridled chaos. He is here to create problems for the other team. He's going to be unpredictable. And sometimes that frustrates Auburn fans, but also it really frustrates his opponents. We saw the peak form of that last week against LSU. I also think he might be the peak Auburn quarterback. Not only the fact that his father would play quarterback here, he's been a lifelong fan. And then he made a point after the game. So the big play, fourth down. Auburn gets a uh, – Georgia jumps offside, so instead of kicking a field goal, they said, you know what, let's go for it. It's three yards. Get a little play over the middle of the field. Xavion Capers, ball goes up, incomplete. Uh, Latavius Brini gets his hand on it. I thought at the time, from my view, hey, that's a pretty good play. It's a pretty good play on the ball. More replays start going, more replays start going. It's like, ooh, got a, got away with a hold there. I think even Aaron Murray said it after said it on the on the CBS broadcast. I think my favorite thing about Murray saying it was that it was easy for him to say it after Auburn didn't get the touchdown. Like right. it's it's all right. well and good to be like, oh, that should have been a penalty after the team that I'm kind of rooting for on this broadcast wasn't actually penalized on a monumental play. Like, we can all be a good sport then. Hey, and if you Absolutely loved Ar- insufferable broadcast. I've made a point on this podcast to point out how difficult those guys' jobs are. It's very hard uh-huh. talking for three and a half, five hours, given how long the CBS broadcast can be. It's uh-huh. difficult. Man, they were insufferable. Well, good news, that same crew is doing Auburn, Arkansas next week. I don't want to be, I don't want to be too mean, but... It's a, a job reason. I could never do. It's very there's difficult. There's a reason there's a reason that when I watch games and rewatch games, I'll watch them on mute usually or find some way to watch it without commentary. I think the Peyton and Eli Manning Monday Night Football has been my favorite thing. There were a couple of games yesterday they were like Skycam, you know, where you just get the audio from the field and it's a cool it's a cool visual. It's like I'd much rather watch games like that. I just can't. It's a lot of trying hard and 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 narrative forming. Back to the play. Yes, Georgia got away with something. Whether it was holding, whether it was passer, is should have should have came up to be tried again, Auburn. Like because you know you got you got hosed there after the game. Bonick says of that play, "quote Yeah, that was a big play. Fourth and three gives us a chance at the back of the end zone, and the guy completely grabs him. Thought it should have definitely been a pass interference. It's just stuff like that that we never don't ever get that changes the game." Obviously, if that would have been them, they probably would have called it. That's just part of the game and part of the rivalry. Auburn fans, your quarterback just voiced something that you've probably, some of you have probably thought uh, for a while in this one. And, of course, other fans, especially Georgia and Alabama fans, will get in the mentions and say things like, well, what about this and what about that? And, yeah, like Auburn benefited last year against that Auburn-Arkansas game. Oh, yeah. yeah you yeah. know, the Georgia State game this year. But for teams who don't have to play Georgia and Alabama regularly, it is always fun when they do. Because if you are expecting a 50-50 call in those rivalries, you probably shouldn't. Well, and I think the, I think the pass interference call was even more frustrating to Auburn fans because of the Darnell Washington play. Roger you mean McCreary. the one where he stiff-armed Roger McCreary, the six-seven guy? Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, and, and it's like, well, what is he supposed to do there, right? You know, Let him catch it, you idiot. Basically. Oh yeah, and um, then Zacoby should probably just let Penn State score on the on the goal line. It's perfect and, stuff. We love and that. Smoke, and smoke. I mean that is targeting for by the by the letter of the law that is targeting. When I said fix the rule yesterday, I meant don't eject guys for that. It's a bang bang play. I know it's not safe, but nothing about football is safe. I mean that's it's a crazy thing. I I'll say I'll say it over and over again. There's nothing that shows that them ejecting players or you know, keeping them out for the first half of the next game if they do it in the second half. There's nothing that shows that those hits have gone down. That CTE has been solved. You're just making your you're just making your own product worse by extension, and it made a difference. You know, Auburn could have used a guy like Smoke Monday back there, considering some of the breakdowns they had in the deep passing game. You know, even not even necessarily a coverage bust, just like missing missing guys 
and some of their run defense in the second half as well, especially when you don't have Owen Papo out there, makes a difference. So later on, Bo gets asked, like, all right, you said we don't, you know, stuff like that that we don't always get or we don't ever get. What do you mean by that? A little bit softer in his, in his follow-up. Uh, Bo says, quote, I always feel like there are some questionable calls in big moments. Obviously, there were a few today that could have gone differently. I thought the one to Zay, Xavier Capers, there at the end of the half, that was just kind of one of those judgment calls that was tough. It's hard to make a play on the ball when they're that aggressive. So I guess the officials were letting us play the game. We should have been more aggressive on our end, I guess, and seeing how they would have responded to that. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 one of those things where you're fighting an uphill battle. If the officiating's not going your way, it just feels like, you know, it, it feels like you're playing so much, right? And, I, and I'll say this, officiating isn't why Auburn lost that game by any means. But you can see the frustration for a quarterback like Nick's where it's like, okay, I get that opportunity, and you throw it to the end zone. And if Auburn scores a touchdown there, they're only down a score, only down one touchdown heading into the into the second half. I feel like it's a different vibe of the game. You give some energy back to that crowd because all Georgia did was kneel it out after they got the ball back. And instead, it's 17-3 to going into the break, and you never felt like you really got back in it. You had a little bit of a – you had that missed field goal uh, in the third quarter, but then that – turns into a turnover on downs and then the and the, the deep shot from Georgia. I, I can see how it's frustrating, and, and I think that's kind of what we saw from Nick's after the game. He also said, like, his first quote was, he's like, first of all, like, somebody asked him a question about the drops. He said, well, first of all, I'd just like to say, if we just made a few more plays, maybe two or three plays to go in our favor, we're capable of hanging in there with that Georgia team and being pretty much in the game with them and being able to share that field with them. I know that was a take this week, so I just wanted to clarify that. He got spicy after the game. And, like, I think it's just that frustration that's kind of like, okay, we know that we're better than this, and then some things aren't going your way, and some things aren't going your way, and you don't you don't have any control over it as well. I tend yeah. to agree with him. I think there are three or four plays there where you're looking at the Shivers tipped ball that went for an interception. That clearly changed things. The pass interference call on McCreary, the no-call interception, the smoke ejection, and then in the second half, the nail in the coffin, that lad touchdown where Auburn just has a breakdown. Hey, and if they, they finish that first drive with the, with that pass to Shanker scoring, getting seven there instead of three probably makes a difference. I don't That's see a, a world in where Auburn wins this game, but that it could have been in it in the fourth quarter with a few oh, different yeah. plays is probably different. I think Georgia was too dominant in certain aspects, too consistent. Did they have? They had a couple of explosive plays, but the lad one was really the only one that went for six to the house, right? Yes, they had a few deep balls in the first half. That I mean, Auburn just didn't have that. They didn't have the protection to have time to throw it downfield. When they threw it downfield, it wasn't like it, it, they were necessarily catching the ball all the time. We said heading into the game, Auburn. If Auburn slows, you know, can can stop the running game and then just make sure Georgia doesn't beat them deep, they'll have a chance to hang in there and. Lo and behold, they stop the run. Georgia still beats them deep. That makes a big difference. So, it ends up being a 24-point win for Georgia. It's tough. Again, a few plays you think differently about this this game, but one of the big things is you look at EPA, um, which is a stat we've been using more in the observations. Georgia didn't necessarily, like Auburn had as many big plays, quote-unquote, as Georgia did in this game, at least through the air. But the timing of them, and also Auburn had the big negative plays, right? They had the interception. They had the sacks that lost huge yards. They had, you know, the fourth down, you know, turnover on downs. Like, they had those plays, and, like, whereas Georgia just avoided the big mistake, kept ticking, they played to their talent level, and they won by 24. Like well, that's, you know, going back to my point about the offense for Georgia being so consistent, Auburn only had one turnover, but what'd we say all week? Mm-hmm. I'm not, not great analysis, but certainly true against a better team. You need to win the turnover battle, create an extra 100%. possession for yourself. Didn't yep. do that. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. We've seen this Auburn offensive line have some good games and good performances, but like against that defensive front, you don't have the horses on your own offensive line right now. You just don't. You just don't. That was laid pretty bare in this in this game. I wanted to point something out that I did in the observations after the game. Brian Hartson was very complimentary of Georgia. Uh, he said their their success and their 
game plan, their blueprint, their like this is what we're trying to get to, right? Where you go out and you are consistently playing really good football in all three phases. You're well coached, you're well executed, you've got talent away from home, at home, doesn't matter. And I'm paraphrasing a lot there. One of the things that stood out to me from this game is this. Yes, Georgia is a talent machine. They're the only team that has been able to successfully challenge Alabama for their recruiting national title reign in the Saban era. They recruit so, so well. And I think on defense, it really shows. There's a lot of really elite players on that defensive front and some in that secondary, and it makes a big difference. But we just talked about the explosive downfield passing game. Okay, Stetson Bennett and Lad McConkey, and, and and then the other one, Brock Bowers was the tight end that had a, a few – Darnell Washington had one, had one big catch. That'll happen. Five-star tight end. Big man. You know, drawing that that soft DPI from uh, from Roger McCreary. You look at it, Bennett, three-star quarterback. McConkey, low three-star wide receiver. That Georgia offensive line has one five-star. Also started a three-star. And some decent four stars. This wasn't just a, oh wow, they have so much talent on this on this offensive line. Auburn can't Auburn can't compete with that, especially Auburn's defensive line, right? Like you can't sit there and say, well, they have all this talent in Auburn. It's four star, four star. Like the battle is pretty even up there. Brock Bowers heading into the season was like Georgia's third or fourth tight end because of Washington, because of Eric Gilbert, decent. Like four star, and yeah, like they're they're still blue chips. They're still really good football players. We've talked all season about how Jarquez Hunter has been a steal as a three star, but I think there was a key part of this game, the connection that McConkey had with Bennett. Those are three stars making plays, and it's that Georgia's had injuries and absences at quarterback and wide receiver, and they still can get it done. My point is is yes, recruiting is the lifeblood of this thing. Auburn has to recruit at a really high level to compete with the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world. That is going to be a real challenge for Brian Harson, for a staff that right now does not have a lot of recruiting momentum, does not have a lot of commitments on the trail. There's still time. We will see how it all plays out here in the next few months. This is a staff that doesn't have a ton of connections. It's a real challenge. They have their work cut out for them. Do not take anything away from this and say, like, oh, well, he doesn't think recruiting matters. It definitely does, and it's going to be – recruiting is going to be key to how long the Brian Harson era lasts at Auburn, and it could last for a while uh, if they they are able to build what they want to build, okay? But when three stars are hitting big plays on you and an offensive line that has – you know, one five-star Jamari Saylor is really good, uh, or at least a really good prospect coming out of coming out of high school. But ha- an offensive line that's not just like a five-star factory up front is moving the ball on you and protecting really, really well. And you look at that and you're gonna think, okay, well, there's something more to this than just purely recruiting, right? There's something more to this than just recruiting, and it's about building a consistent program that you can plug in pieces and it keeps ticking. Georgia would love to be Georgia would have loved for that game yesterday to have been JT Daniels throwing the ball to George Pickens. You know, that kind of connection. Instead, it was Stetson Bennett to Lamak and it still worked. Because what Kirby Smart has built and what Georgia has built is that it can be a consistent machine. And now that consistent machine's going to offense. You know, defensively probably always had it so i don't know what, what do you think painter like to me it's like yes we're, we all know recruiting is 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 the is the main thing yes auburn needs to get more talent and it's an uphill battle against against the likes of georgia and alabama one of the things to think keep in mind here is that even though auburn's never going to recruit at the level of a georgian and alabama on a consistent basis there's more to it than that and not only is that something you have to have but it also gives you some hope that like you could Knock them off. Auburn needs the right quarterback, mm-hmm. the right skill position players, an elite receiver or two even. And then I yep. think that defensive line, what it was in 2019, was an example of can keep you in games mm-hmm. all year long. And then you look at a team like Kentucky or the makeup of Georgia's offensive line this year, where there there is, I think, both of those teams have a five-star on the offensive line. And then the rest of the guys are good recruits, three and four yeah. stars. 
Yeah, and, and this staff is going to find diamonds in the road. They're going to find the Jarquez Hunters of the world. They're going to find you know those guys that develop them. But and look, I mean, offensive line. I just said, okay, well, you know, they have a few four stars and one five star. Was like that's more than Auburn's got on its offensive line. But there's no I reason think, to think that Auburn can't recruit three or four four stars the offensive line and and then steal a guy that's a five star at some point. I don't think I that's think, outrageous. I think Auburn's okay. All right, hey, 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 how about this? Auburn doesn't have a five star on the offensive line, but they have three four stars that's starting on their offensive line right now. In uh, Troxel Jones and um, Brahms, and so you know Ham, I believe, was a three star. Council was a whatever star because he started his career at Akron, um, but he's been a pretty good o- offensive lineman for Auburn. A good pickup that they've had. So it's like it wasn't like this Georgia offensive line was just far. Yes, they have Sailor. Like that's 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 a big difference. It's just that consistency and that development. And it's the blueprint that Alabama set out, right? Alabama gets more talent than everybody else, but they also develop talent better than anybody else. And that's what Kirby tried to bring to Georgia. I think he's in the process of doing that. With the way Alabama looked against A&M last night in a loss, I mean, the stats from that game were unreal. I mean, this is from uh, Matt Brown uh, at The Athletic. Alabama had won 100 straight games against unranked teams. (laughs) They had not lost to an unranked team since ULM in 07, Saban's first Shouts year. Shouts out. Shouts out. A streak of 106 wins for the number one team in the country against an unranked team. Done. Last time was USC in 2008, lost to Oregon State. Saban lost to an assistant for the first time. This is the first time in nine years that number one has lost to a team outside of the top ten. And they were unranked, okay. So and A and M's got a lot of talent, but like, I guess my po- I guess my point in there is this: is that the the machine is tough, and the and the and the challenges are great. And that Georgia team that you played yesterday, Auburn, probably is the best in the country and has a good track right now at at being a uh, being a national champion. However. A and M just proved that that might not matter as much. We've Georgia seen Clemson often good for dropping a random game. Yeah, we've seen Clemson tail off this year. We've seen Ohio State not play up to their level, although now they're they're getting back into form again. Um, Oklahoma is is still undefeated somehow um, from that comeback against Amazing. Texas. Oh, I mean, man. it was so great. How to bad see people did- gassing up Sark, and it's like he's done it. How bad did Texas fans feel today? Oh, boy, having to watch A&M do that after you just completely collapsed. And I know he's a good quarterback, Caleb Williams, but he is their backup. Yeah. yeah not Although great. he might not be anymore. Yeah, for sure. Um, I will say, too, like one thing that Saban has said and some of his players have said, and I think it's a great point, and it probably is part of, although not the only reason, that those guys that are – three stars and low four stars are able to develop so well in practice. A lot of times they're playing against better players than they will in games. And that probably has a cyclical effect. It does. It does. So I I guess my whole point in all of this is that recruiting is going to matter a ton. Do not let me act like anything. It's going to be anything different. One of the big tests for this staff is going to be how they pull together their first full cycle and how, I mean, they, they cannot afford to fall back further in the in the recruiting arms race against Alabama and Georgia. They have to maintain it or find some way to improve on it. Like, it's just – that's a straight-up fact. It has to happen. Um, but I think it's the consistency and the, you know – that's why Harson was it was hired right to consistently compete for championships. That's why he's here. That's why he took on the challenge of of coaching at Auburn. He even pointed to Kirby in his statements about we want to be that that level of talent, that level of good coaching and consistency. That's the goal. And I was like, okay, well, I appreciate the honesty. And I think, and I think the thing there is, is that you aren't going to be able to have that level of talent, like in terms of recruiting numbers in a year in and year out, but. You can develop like that. You can coach like that because those are things that you are, and those are things that you can control. Much like drops, like you, you, mm-hmm. you, those are things that you can control. 
and it's just going to take some time to build it up. Um, but I think you've seen a little bit of pride. Like we're at the halfway point of the season for Auburn, and I think, well, okay, wide receivers, the thing that I think everybody worried the most heading into the season because they're inexperienced, toughest part of the team right now. You've gotten some good work out of your out of your running backs. Jarquez Hunter's been a revelation. Bo Nix has made progress as a quarterback. I think the drops are not helping him out at all. It will be interesting to see his adjusted completion percentage. You scored a touchdown against Georgia. You did not score a touchdown against Georgia last season. Like there was, there, you know, you took some strides. There were some steps for, forward on offense, but they weren't big enough, right? And it was still didn't matter at the end because I think your defense is taking some of a step backwards because some new faces, new systems, and you know you've had some absences, right? You've had guys not be able to play because of injury and else and whatnot. You've had in key games, you've had ejections twice now um but like four and two at this point in the year i thought this is where auburn would be i thought auburn would be split with lsu two. penn state yep and then just you mm-hmm. were always going to have an uphill battle against this georgia team i thought they looked better against akron and alabama state than i thought they would be and then they took a step backwards against georgia state and now they're kind of in a moment right now where it's like ooh, okay all right where, where are we at where are we at I think they're about where they were going to be. I think there are some things that have been good surprises. I think there's some have been – it's just kind of balanced out, right? And so you hit the second half of the season. You got Arkansas. You got Ole Miss. You got Texas A&M. You got Mississippi State. Uh, you got South Carolina. You got Bama. Here's the thing. Most of those games are winnable. We just saw Alabama lose at A&M. Who's to say that that's not a winnable game as well? Now a lot's gonna have to change. A and M's got more talent than Auburn does, but like they're it's the first good game A and M played A&M. all season. It's the yeah. first good game A and M has bothered to play all season. It's unfortunate if you're an Alabama fan that you and caught I, them on Saturday. And I tweeted it on, on Saturday night. It's like there's this tendency to take the most recent result and then just kind of stretch it out, right? Or just be like, look, man, you left A and M for dead after their last two weeks. They lost to Arkansas and they lost to Mississippi State, and then they beat freaking Alabama. Arkansas got shut out and then dropped fifty on Ole Miss. Kentucky, Kentucky had to scrape by against an FCS team, and now they are going to be a top ten team playing Georgia this week. College football is way too unpredictable. Auburn is way too unpredictable to look at it and make grandiose sweeping. This is what's going to happen moving forward. Can Auburn look just like this for the rest of the season? and finish where we expected them to be or what they look like right now? 100% yes. That's definitely on the table. But we've seen this team play up, and we've seen this team play down at this point. And they've got they got a stretch here coming up where, look, Arkansas is a tough team to figure out, but they're good, and you're playing them away from home. But that is a winnable game. You can beat Ole Miss if you play good defense. You can beat Ole Miss. Their defense is not what it's cracked up to be. Um and we didn't think highly of it ahead in the season. South Carolina is definitely a winnable game, obviously. State is a winnable game. A&M, that game gets a whole lot more interesting depending on what happens moving forward. And then Bam at Jordan-Hare. I think Bam at Jordan-Hare, you can't count Auburn out. They've won three out of their last four against them, and every single time it's been, yeah, but it's Bama. You know, they're probably not going to get it done. So at the halfway point, I think Auburn – is about where you expect them to be record-wise. I think in some areas they might be a little bit ahead. Um, but I also don't think you've seen a lot of like year one issues from Auburn where you're like, uh, you're like, ooh, this might not be working out. I think it's everybody's opinion on Harson and the staff, but I don't know. I, I think there's a, I think there is a, there is a sense of okay, there's something trying to get built, and you kind of push ahead towards that. And if you tweak some things and improve some things down the stretch, you can still walk out of here with a solid year one that gets fans excited about the future. It seems reasonable to me that Auburn's next four games could all be decided by one possession. Yeah, absolutely. Where Auburn comes down on those, I don't know. And then South Carolina's curious to me because they look really, really bad, but Auburn did lose to them last year. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and this is where you're gonna you're going to see this team really, really get tested. I think we even saw it yesterday to an extent. There in the third quarter, like late second or third quarter, 
they didn't fold, you know. Georgia went up big, and it's like Auburn kept swinging at them. It just wasn't going to work because of what Georgia was doing. Uh, and they were holding on to the ball and just leaning on that defense in the running game. Um, I, I – yeah, I – I am of the opinion that this is going to say a lot to the, these next few weeks. But I, I do think this is a team that's not going to give up or fold. I think they've got leadership, you know. They are they they are going to be able to bounce back. I think their attitude's going to be good. I think they knew what they were up against in this game. Um, and we'll see what that means moving forward because these are some gettable games coming up. It's a stretch of gettable games, and this could be – the difference between an Auburn team that just scrapes to a bowl game or an Auburn team that could still make some noise in the SEC West. Because here's the thing, Alabama's lost. Everybody in the in the SEC West has lost a game to this point, right? Yes? Yeah, that's correct. It's gettable. It's gettable, right? You can you can pull off the you can pull off some weird stuff and you get you get bam at Jordan Hare. I'm just saying. You've won three out of the last four four there, so it's it's impossible to count them out, especially after what we saw last night. If Auburn can go four out of five, it's not an easy task, especially given that I think they'll be in a lot of close games. But if you can win four out of the five between now and South Carolina, that'd be pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Uh, all right. Before we wrap up, I want to talk a little basketball before we go. Oh Lord! I think everybody wants to talk some basketball, right? Especially after the, especially after a tough football loss. We know what the people want. Uh, it's time to uh, give people an update on how they can continue to support what we've got going on. That was a horrible sentence, Painter. Help me out. Rate, review, subscribe. This is the free podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. But to get all of Ferg's great work, go ahead and. Uh, Subscribe to The Observer, but if you can't do that right now, rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. We do appreciate it. Yeah, Apple Podcasts, search Auburn Observer, click on uh, click on it, scroll down, type, write a review, give us five stars, say something nice about Painter in the comments. It does mean a lot to us, and like Painter said, if you want to subscribe to The Observer, $6 a month, $60 a year, over a 1,000 of you hanging strong, hanging, hanging with us. Uh, in the inner circle, which means you get a bonus podcast in the midweek where we preview games. Uh, the last one we had with Ben Wolk was a lot of fun. We're going to have some more coming up here in the future that we really, really are looking forward to. Um, you can join us there, auburnobserver.com, sign up, and then everything you get, since it gets sent straight to your email inbox, including this podcast. So whenever a new one comes up, you'll be the first to know. But like Painter said, if you're not in a spot to do that, it's all good. We appreciate you guys listening to the free one. Uh, we get it. We understand. And uh, yeah, rating, reviewing, and subscribing is the best way to keep us going and ticking while we do that. So a lot shout- of you rocking that home field apparel this weekend. Good work, yes, everybody. That's a perfect segue, Painter. Homefieldapparel.com. The most premium vintage college sports apparel, and they've got a brand new Auburn shirt. I told you about it. If you listened last week, I said, hey, keep an eye out. There might be a new new Auburn shirt dropping soon. If you listen to our premium podcast this week, uh, I gave I gave a hint of what it looked like, and now it is out. Painter, we know we love Side Eye Albie. It is your Twitter avatar. It is your it is you as a drawing. Um a little side eye with a sailor hat. But there is a brand new Auburn 1957 national championship shirt on home field. I have one. I am uh, I am planning on giving it to my mother. Uh, she has already claimed it. Um, so sorry if anybody wanted to try to get that from sweet, me. Sweet, sweet woman. Um, but yes, we've got number one national champions. Uh, let's just describe what we've got going on here. We've got a tiger. He's got a smirk on his face. He's got a crown that says 1957 champs on it. He's holding a sign that says Auburn Tigers on his tail. He's standing on a football that says number one national champions. It's a classic design from Auburn's first national championship team. It's on a nice uh, tri-blend ash colored shirt. Most comfortable shirts in the world. Painter, you can you can attest. Um, nobody makes more comfortable t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, whatnot than, than home field apparel. 
Retro Prince Albi, celebrating that 1957 national title, which, as many of you have pointed out, 1957, mathematically closer to 1980 than 2021. Wow. Wow. Uh by the way, that home field design, a little inside baseball here, it came from a Christmas postcard. So from from that nineteen fifty seven year. So home field, they're out here researching, they're digging in, and even if Auburn is one of their first teams from Big New Saturday season one, they're still trying to find more gear and more logos to put on, comfortable stuff for you. We've got a lot of really cool stuff at home field. Uh dunking Albie with the Allen Iverson putting his arm through the rim. One of my favorites. There's an old nineteen. Uh, there's an old nineteen sixty five basketball Albie. Gotta love him as well. There's a baseball uh, d- a script design that looks pretty sweet on an orange shirt. All that homefieldapparel.com. We appreciate them for continuing to support us. And if you would like to join up, Homefield Apparel offer code Observer for off your first order. We'll knock off the price for you a little bit. Just tell them the Observer sent you. That's homefieldapparel.com. Thanks to the guys up there in Indiana for supporting what we've got going on. Someone send Dylan Cardwell the one that's the Christmas postcard. Yeah, I think, it, by the way, okay, I'm a great segue here. You, you, you're killing it today. Tip off at Tumors. No dunk contest, which was disappointing, but with the rain and the humidity. We're not trying to have court. any ACL issues here, baby. No. We're trying to get no. to this season healthy. We've already had one man down. Let's let's plow ahead here. And the man down almost won the three point shootout on one leg. Shouts out. That it was it was it was honestly one of the more incredible things I've seen in, in an event like that in a while. He just kinda had it propped up and he just was in the corner drilling it. Zep Jasper, by the way, excellent three point shooter. At Pro Day, people who were at Pro Day were saying that uh, Bruce was really pointing out Zepp's defense to the assembled NBA um, audience. I'm telling you guys, like, I've, you can pick anybody on this team and say, ooh, keep an eye out for them. Because, like, this is a really talented team. There's there's a lot of exciting pieces. Zepp is one of those guys who's like, his defense is insane, and he's a good jump shooter. And he's going to be able to stretch the floor for you, like, Watch out. He's going to be the fun. I think he's going to be the fun combo, combo guard, six-man off the bench uh, that uh, that Auburn fans are really, really going to love to see uh, play this season. But Dylan Cardwell had a crown, and he had a championship belt that whose origins we're still not sure of yet. I think it had the Slam logo, like the magazine. So I wonder wonder what, 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 that, what that was about. Um... He's saying, all I want for Christmas is you, because like you, Painter, he Christmas believes... Christmas is right around the corner, baby. Christmas is always right around the corner. It was a fun event. It was it was, it was was a really fun event. The women's team, a lot of new faces on that women's team. They got some shooters on that team as well. Got some got some real got some real shooters uh, uh, on that team. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think uh, Johnny Harris coming out and saying, okay, well, what, what, what do you want to... What do you want... How would you describe... Uh, your style to your team, and it's like, hey, we're gonna give you, we're gonna give you forty minutes of misery, basically. Like, we want to pick you up as soon as you come off the bus, and we're gonna escort you out of town. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, that was the last coach bought into that philosophy and tried to put it in there, and it mixed results. So, we will see what that looks like now with a coach that has been around some of the best in college basketball in the women's game, and has been an elite recruiter for years. For who stole the show? Hmm. Other than Dylan? Right, right. It sounds like Dylan got uh, got everybody excited. But there were some nuggets, it seemed like, from Jabari in the three-point competition. Allen, obviously on one leg. Zepp seemed to have a really good week, not just at tip-off at Tumors, but in front of a bunch of pro scouts. Yeah, I, I was impressed probably the most with Zepp, just because he shot really, really well. And I don't know if there were a lot of people who would have thought he would have been the favorite coming into the to the but yeah, getting that and then getting the defensive love and Bruce making a point to uh, to shout it out with with ev- you know pretty much everybody from the every team from the NBA in attendance, that's a that's a good week. But yeah, Jabari man, like it's just you watch him play and you watch his shot. It's like okay, his 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 form and his stroke for a guy that tall. I'm telling y'all, it is not normal. It is not normal. There are very few 
big men or guys his size on the planet that shoot like that, like that it's just a natural kind of guard-like jumper, right? He He's 6'10". Look, Walker Kessler, who, by the way, Walker Kessler suffered a concussion in practice. They say, Bruce says, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. They think he'll be back and playing time. Last for the time we heard that, he went to Tennessee. That, that that's another that's another point there. Uh, so, fingers crossed. I think everybody's going to be kind of holding their breath a little bit until until the confirmation is that. But when you watch Walker Kessler shoot the ball from deep, it's like he looks like a big man shooting for, shooting it from deep. And then even though he's only three inches shorter, Jabari Smith looks like a guard shooting like that, a wing shooting like that, and so. Uh, really good stroke. He, you know, kind of stole the show with the, in the three-point shootout. Um, it's just a smooth form, and I, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And this team's going to be a lot of fun to watch um, because you've got a lot of talent. You've got a lot of guys that are hungry on offense and defense. I think Zepp and Katie Johnson are going to be buzzsaws on defense when they're together. Um, you've got a front court that's more talented and, and bigger than anyone you've had under Bruce Pearl. And then even the guys that are going to be coming off the bench are Dylan Cardwell and Stretch Akinbola and Chris Jaylen Moore. Jalen Williams. It's possibly Jalen Williams, you know, or Zepp. Like, that's coming off the bench for you. And those guys, Dylan Cardwell has more energy than anybody in this zip code. Uh, Apparently it's infectious given that he was able to, you know, he sort of led the way the other week by taking his shirt off in front of everyone at Jordan-Hare Stadium, and then pretty much the entire basketball team did it against Georgia. Including Bruce. And then Cam oh, Newton You came. know what? Shout out to Bruce. About 60 years old. I'd love to look like that when I'm 60 years old. For sure. I'd, look, I'd love to look like that when I'm 28. So <laughs> that's just, just being honest. Um, and it's just it's going to be a fun team. It's it, We all know that. It's going to be a, a really fun team and a talented team. There's a lot of hype building. They're going to have to take some time to kind of gel and mesh together on both ends of the floor. But I expect perfection immediately. Right, right, absolutely. Um, and we'll see what Allen looks like when he comes back. But I'm telling you guys, he, he was. we talked to him after tip-off. He said, you know, rehab's going really well. Bruce said he was shooting shots out of a wheelchair right after he had his surgery. So, like, he's just continuing to, like, work on his shot, you know. He's not letting he's not letting the fact that he has one functioning Achilles stop him right now. So we'll look we'll see what he looks like athletic wise, explosive wise when he comes back. But I mean, you gotta like the early reviews on him if he's able to shoot the way he that he has been in practices and you know off on his own and drills um, during his rehab work with one leg. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to be excited about about this team. So Auburn football. Big question marks, big murky future, what the second half of the season is going to look like. Can go a lot of different directions. Auburn basketball, preseason hype. It's time for everyone just to just crank it up and be excited. They've got it. They, you know, this is this is the year. This is the offseason for uh for for just being unbridled enthusiasm for this basketball team. I think they're gonna take a while to get going. But they've got the talent and the depth and the versatility to be one of the best in the SEC. Period. Like this is this is a team that I think, privately and somewhat publicly, they're very confident in what they've got going into the year. Feeling themselves. Mm-hmm. And they should. And they should. I mean, this is a great collection of talent. Uh, it just needs experience together, and that's going to come in a fun non-conference schedule. All right. I think that's going to do it for this podcast appreciate you guys listening um we will be back on thursday to preview the arkansas game for our subscribers if you were in the inner circle i thought georgia fans this week were okay i had some i I got invaded by like this weird group of people on twitter that are just they they were just amateur hour just amateur hour I'm not looking forward to facing Arkansas Twitter again, though, uh, because they are relentless and they come at you from all sides. Even and I and I would imagine, even though they've lost two games in a row, they're still going to be. It's like not going to slow them down, baby. They're just no, getting stronger sir. and angrier. Nope, nope. They're just getting stronger and angrier. But we will be back then to talk to you about Auburn, Arkansas, AuburnObserver.com, six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year. All the newsletters, uh, film room tomorrow. 
Monday morning. I think we're going to take a look at those drops. We're going to take a look at Bo Nix and those drops and, and kind of assess where they're at at the beginning of the season or at the midway point of the season. Gosh, my brain is kind of scrambled today. <laughs> Until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Painter, final thoughts. Drop it like it's hot. 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 When the pigs try to get at you, park it like it's hot.